In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can we give these guys a round of applause for having such courage? Takes courage. My brothers and sisters, today we celebrate so many incredible gifts and mysteries. Today we celebrate something called the Passover. Now, a lot of people don't understand is that you and I, believe it or not, are actually Jewish. We are. Today, we celebrate what Jesus celebrated at the Last Supper. What a lot of people don't know is that the Last Supper meal wasn't just a meal where Jesus was like, all right, this is my like going away party. What Jesus was doing was he was celebrating the Passover with his beloved. Now, this Passover meal, we need to understand, in order for us to understand, what is it that we're doing today? What are we celebrating? And why is it that we're even at Mass? What is Mass all about? What's the purpose? What are we doing here? We've got bread, we've got wine, we're saying a whole bunch of prayers, we're wearing weird clothes. What are we doing? Why do we do this? We've got to go back to the Old Testament. The Passover meal was the meal by which God commanded his people to gather at a meal and to sacrifice a lamb. Now, this sacrifice, this meal that had a sacrifice, or the sacrificial meal, the purpose of this meal was for them to never forget that God was about to save them from slavery. They were enslaved to the, to, to the Egyptians. And God didn't want them to ever forget this, this amazing thing that he was about to do for them. So he made them have this annual meal called the Passover, where the angel of God passed over the Jews when they offered up this sacrifice. And they'd offer up this animal, and what they would say to God is basically, instead of us paying the price for our sins, we offer up this animal. We offer up this sacrifice in place, an atonement for our sins. And so every year they would offer up this sacrifice in atonement for their sins so that they never forget that God did not allow them to remain slaves. He saved them from slavery and he forgave them. Now in order, in order for the people of Israel to stay in their relationship with God, in order for them to keep their promise or their covenant with God, they had to receive the flesh of the lamb. They had to eat the flesh of the lamb. And if they didn't celebrate, if they didn't do this Passover meal, they were basically cut off from God. They could not have any part in what God had done for them. Basically, what they were saying to God was, God, I don't care about what you did for my ancestors and what you did for me. So, what God wanted them to do was to never forget and to constantly offer up that sacrifice. Now, it didn't just go yearly. They would begin to offer up sacrifices. As these rituals began to develop, they began to offer up thousands and thousands of lambs. Every year, 
for the Passover, the Jews would go to the temple in Jerusalem and they'd offer up 250,000 lambs. It's a lot of blood. Now, why would they do this? Like I said, they were doing this as an offering to receive forgiveness of their sins. And what's really crazy to think about is where would all of this blood go? Think about all this blood. I mean, it's kind of really gruesome to think about. Where would all this blood go? Well, there was a drain. And the drain would come from the side of the temple, the side of the temple, the side of Jesus, and it would go into a river and would flow out. Now, as they do this, as they offer up this sacrifice, they're not just, in a sense, like, remembering what God had done for them. It wasn't just like remembering a past event. What's amazing is that it was called a memorial. A memorial for God was much more than just remembering a past event. For God, it became present to him. For God, when God remembers something, because he's outside of space and time, he can remember the day of your birth. And he doesn't just remember it, he can go back to that very moment that you were born and that I was born, because he's not bound by space and time. So every time they offered up this sacrifice at the Passover meal, they were not just remembering, they were participating in what God had done for them. Today, my brothers and sisters, Jesus institutes a new Passover. And he says, this is how I want you to worship me. God, from the very beginning, was very specific about how we are to worship Him. Many people today come up with their own ways of worshiping God. Many of us want to worship God at our own ease and at our own, you know, coming up with our own inventions. I'll worship God on Christmas and Easter. I'll worship God at my house. I'll worship God through EWTN on the TV or Norsat. I'll worship God in my own way. I can worship God by just lighting a candle on Sunday. I can pray in my room, and that's my worship. There's never, ever, ever been such a thing from the very beginning. God has been very, very clear about how he wants us to worship him. So Jesus continues this. He doesn't stop what he established thousands of years ago. He continues it, but in a new way. He invents a brand new Passover called what we're doing today. What is this called? The Mass. Now, we're not offering up bloody animals anymore because we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God. That it's Jesus' body that is going to be offered to the Father on our behalf so that we could be forgiven and that we could be released from slavery, not to the Egyptians, but to who? The devil. And if you and I want to be forgiven, and if you and I want to be released from the power and dominion of Satan, there is only one way to do it. The Eucharist. The body of Christ. That's the only way that we can be forgiven, truly forgiven, and we can be freed from the slavery of the devil. Because in the Mass, my brothers and sisters, we're not just remembering, we're reliving the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We're literally bringing to God's mind, and remember, what did I say about God? When God remembers, He doesn't just remember as a memory. 
he goes back to that moment. And so every single Mass, the Father sees Jesus there on the cross. And you know what else he sees? He sees all of us in this church. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he saw all of us in this Mass. He saw every single Mass that would ever, ever take place. And he saw each and every one of us sitting here praying at that Mass, asking and begging for forgiveness and for the graces that we need and for the blessings. He also saw some of us getting really, really distracted and being like, all right, Father Patrick, when are you going to be done? Because you're talking a lot, right? He saw it all. How many of you guys pray the Chaplet of the Divine Mercy? Or how many of you guys know the Chaplet of Divine Mercy? Many of us, majority of us do. I want you, if you ever question, what are we doing in the Mass? I want you to remember, what is it that we say before every decade? Let's say it all together. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and love, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Okay. So right there, we have a full description of what we're doing in the Mass. In the Mass, the priest is speaking to the Father. The whole Mass is being offered to the Father. And we're saying, Eternal Father, I offer you this. Now, if you're making an offer with God, and you really, really want to convince God of something, God the Father will never say no to Jesus, His Son. So when we come to God the Father, we're saying, God the Father, this is what I'm offering you, and in atonement, I'm doing this in atonement for my sins. Because guess what, my brothers and sisters? Jesus' death and resurrection, yes, it happened one time, but guess what? You and I are still sinning. From Sunday to Sunday, we get dirty, unfortunately. We go right back to our dirt. We go play in the dirt. For some reason, I don't know. We all do it, right? Sunday to Sunday, we go back to the dirt, and then we come back, and guess what we're doing? We're saying, Father, I offer you Jesus' death on the cross. I offer you his body, Father. And in atonement, I offer you, in exchange, I want forgiveness for my sins. You know how I like to look at the Eucharist? I look at the Eucharist as, it's, it's like our, our chemo. It's like our treatment. And you know what? Our sin is like a cancer. Eats away at us. And so, my brothers and sisters, who in this church doesn't have sin? Who of us in this church doesn't need a constant cleansing? Constantly. And that's why many people just don't come to church because they don't think that they need forgiveness. They don't think that they need God. Because they don't understand that how we receive forgiveness and how we keep our promise with God is in the Eucharist. And when we receive the Eucharist, it's our chemo that kills all the cancer inside of us. It kills the pride. It kills the ego. It kills the selfishness. It kills the vanity. It kills our narcissism. It kills our greed. It kills our selfishness. It kills our, 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 our envy. It kills it all, our lust. But we have to come with faith. We have to be praying. We have to be there at the Mass. We have to participate in the Mass. We've got to see with, with eyes of faith what's happening in the Mass. And if we do that with faith, if we do that and we recognize what we're doing and we do it with faith, wow! 
You know the, that saying, you get what you put into it? You get what you put into it. What are we to be putting into the Mass? We put our sins on that altar, just like we throw our sins right back on the cross. Jesus, here are my sins. We put our sufferings, the sufferings that come into our lives, our crosses that we're carrying day in and day out, we put those on the altar with Jesus. And in turn, my brothers and sisters, we receive forgiveness, we receive healing, we receive the greatest gift of all. You know what we receive? Heaven. People say, Father, I'm a good person. I'm just, you know, I'm a good person. I don't need to go to church. I'm a good person. I don't need to receive the Eucharist every Sunday. I'm a good person. I give to the poor. I pray. I'm nice to people. That's enough. It's not enough. Because what you're saying when we say that is what we're saying is that, you know what? I'm good by myself. I'm good without you, Jesus. I'm, what I do is enough for God. So I don't need you, Jesus, to forgive me, or I don't need you, Jesus, at all. When we come to the Mass, what we're saying is, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you like my cancer needs chemo. That's what I need you, Jesus. That's what I need you for. Now, as we offer up this, this sacrifice, and as we're remembering this, this great feast, you know, the, the, the one of the greatest pains that Jesus felt on this very night, after he institutes the Eucharist, and then he goes to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane. How many of you guys have been to the Holy Land? Anybody been to the Holy Land? Anybody been to the Garden of Gethsemane? It's phenomenal. If I could challenge you to do something, if you could save up every single penny that you have and go to the Holy Land, I cannot encourage you enough. It will change your whole faith life. As Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he kneels and he prays, as we heard in the Gospel, and he says, My soul is sorrowful even unto death. Could you not keep watch with me one hour? Now, anybody know where the concept of a holy hour came from? You know how this whole idea of like, do an hour of adoration? It came from this very moment. The Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus says this, he says, could you not watch one hour with me? I mean, here I am. Like, Jesus is like, man, I'm, I'm carrying the whole pain and suffering of the whole entire world. And here you are, you're sleeping? My brothers and sisters, it's literally us today. We're sleeping. The world is sleeping. The world doesn't care about Jesus. What Jesus suffered doesn't matter to the world today. You know, how many of you guys seen The Passion of the Christ? And if you haven't, you know, I already yelled at you guys on Sunday. So y'all got like two days. Two days to watch The Passion of the Christ, okay? Do you remember the scene where the snake comes up to Jesus as he's crying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's praying in his agony and the snake comes up. Why was there a snake there? What is it symbolizing? It's symbolizing Adam and Eve listening to the snake, the serpent. And what did Adam and Eve do? They distrusted God and they obeyed the devil. What does Jesus do in the garden? He obeys his father. He says, not my will, your will be done, father. 
You know what the devil was doing to Jesus in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was making him, he was trying to make him doubt. He was tempting him. He was making him question. And as Jesus is seeing, by the way, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus saw all of the sins of all of humanity from the beginning all the way from Adam and Eve until the very end of even the sins that we still haven't even committed yet. He saw each and every one of them. All of the betrayal, all of the indifference, the lukewarmness of us, all of our sins, all of our sufferings. He saw each and every single... Imagine just like my sins alone, I think about just like from the beginning of my life until now, are enough to make me want to have a heart attack. I can't imagine the whole entire world that very night. He saw it. And you know what the devil was doing to Jesus? He was saying, look it. Look at all these people who are not going to come to Mass and who are not going to partic- participate in your suffering. Look at them. Look at them sleeping on a Sunday. Look at how they're sleeping. They're not coming to Mass. Look at all those people who... Look at all of the, the empty chapels. Look at all of the tabernacles that are left alone. Look at how nobody wants... No one's going to want you, Jesus. It's all for nothing. Don't die for them. Imagine, Jesus is seeing us sleeping on a Sunday and seeing our our betrayal. We're acting like Judas. We're acting like Peter. And Jesus is seeing this, and you know what? As the devil is tormenting Jesus with all of this, he doesn't listen. He says, thy will be done, Father. Today, my brothers and sisters, each and every one of us play a Peter and a Judas. We all are, in some way, shape, or form. And what Jesus saw that night, and what he's still seeing today, he's still in pain, my brothers and sisters. Jesus is still in pain, and he's still crying, and he's still saying, I thirst. He still is. Because today, we still reject him. And many, many people today do not care. Many, many people today are out having fun. Many people tomorrow on Good Friday will be out having fun, no different than any other day. Jesus is saying to us today, could you not watch one hour with me? My challenge for us today, if we want to satiate the thirst of Jesus, if we want to make up for what the apostles did, if we want to respond to Jesus' plea, could you not stay up and watch one hour with me? My challenge for us today is this. Leave this church today and make a resolution to do a holy hour every single week. Every single week. As a priest, I do it every day. I get it. You got a different life. It's difficult. But I think we can offer up two hours. An hour for Mass and an hour of adoration. I think God deserves two hours of our week. Right? Can we do that? Because when we do that, you know what we're doing to Jesus? We're like the angel that came to Jesus in that moment, and the angel came and he ministered to Jesus. He comforted Jesus in his agony when Jesus is seeing all of us betray him. That's what we do in that holy hour. We console the heart of Jesus. 
And so, my brothers and sisters, today, will we console the heart of Jesus? Will we spend that one hour with him and make up reparation for all of our sins and the sins of the whole world? Let us pray all together. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Amen.